Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. Today, we have Biet Simkin, a rock and roll meditation superstar. In this podcast, we talk about her newest book, Don't Just Sit There. We speak about the law of equals, some other super woo-woo spiritual laws, and attracting the life you most desire by saying fuck off to everything else. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super pumped about today's guest. We have Biet Simkin, a rock and roll spiritual teacher who pulls out the heart and people through her explosive story, music, and global meditation experiences. Thank you so much for being here. Yay. Thank you for having me, Erin. It's a very exciting time to talk. You have a lot of beautiful things you're bringing into this world. Thanks. Yeah, it is really exciting to be alive and birthing stuff into the world. So right now, we definitely want to talk about one of your, besides having a baby, one of your other latest accomplishments, which is your book, (laughs) Don't Just Sit There. Yes. Uh, What can I tell you about it? How is the process of writing this book? Just a download or sharing all the practices that help you connect? You know, it's so funny when you started the podcast, you were talking about what you do and fusing like Eastern philosophy with Western psychology. Is that the word you used? Mm -hmm. And that's what my father did. He was a psychotherapist and he was this awakened shaman. And uh, I studied this little known work with him my entire life called fourth way work. And fourth way work is something that most people don't know about. The lineage comes from this man named Gurdjieff. And some of the people who study it, like a lot of the people who study it are, are very old, like they're in their you know 70s, 80s. But um, I feel like it's just very dense stuff. So even if you were to like find a group that studies it often, it's like a bunch of people sitting very quietly and like intellectually trying to grapple with these very, very complex spiritual ideas. And um, as a student of this work and the way that I had the privilege of studying it was much more vibrant, much more alive. And I feel like because of that, I was able to integrate the knowledge into my soul which is actually the purpose of the knowledge it's not meant to be just like shit you know it's meant to be something that you become and so a real fourth way student actually is someone who lives in the world it's someone who cares about success it's someone who cares about money it's someone who cares about great sex it's someone who cares about looking really good and vanity and so i've always thought like okay my work is really like what would have it looked like if everyone meditated in versailles And so, you know, me, I do like meditation fashion shows and like huge experiences where a thousand people will meditate and I score it with my own music. It's very like vibrant and live. People like call me like the David Bowie of meditation or whatever. So anyway, the book is really like bite-sized ancient wisdom in a really fuck you rock and roll kind of way, right? So anyone can read it. You can understand it. I break it all down. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like what Marianne Williamson did for A Course in Miracles, just made it like super simple and digestible for the modern 
woman and man who wants to find enlightenment and wants to have a life that's really um, falling into place, right? Like none of us want to live stuck. So this book unstucks you. <laughs> that's so beautiful. And it is, even with my clients, I've been suggesting it because it's bite-sized pieces of spiritual practice that helps you shift. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And do you have a very specific, when you were writing this book, did you have rituals that got you in the zone to just channel all this writing? Uh, not so much with the writing, you know, it was more so like a sit down and, you know, I was working with my husband on it. So he would like interview me to gather all the information. That was how, cause I work best when I'm kind of downloading information verbally rather than staring at a screen, you know, for me. And so that's how we did it. And also because I've been studying it for 40 years, this work is very much like at the very outer layer of my heart. So it's not like I have to be like, hmm, let me open up the, you know, the thesaurus and the this book and the that. Like I am this wisdom. I've been working on it for a very long time. And it came to me in a meditation to have the book be structured around the 44 laws. And to be clear, uh, and I always mention this, even though it's kind of irrelevant, but there's actually 48 laws. I just cut four of them out because I felt like they were just like way too out there. Um, to relay in this book. But for anyone who's like really fucking wants to wig out on some like occult mysticism, it's out there. I just didn't want to cover it. That's incredible. What are these, what are loosely these four principles? I don't even remember. Like I just, one of them is like about like where the world is positioned. Um, so like the idea is that the earth is sort of like a basement apartment um, with no windows. And so everyone's like, why am I so depressed? Like, why is it so heavy here on this planet? Like, I wonder why I want to commit suicide sometimes. Or like, I wonder why like children go with, you know, you know, semi-automatic weapons and like kill a bunch of kids in their school. It's like, why is that happening on our planet? And it's like, well, the theory is, is that it's actually the um, geographic location of our planet in relationship to the rest of the solar system. And that we actually just are in a very terrible situation energetically and that we're all very hungry for this spiritual energy, this juice. And uh, there's another theory, again, all of this is so woo-woo, this is why I didn't include it in the book, but there's this theory that the pyramids, like the ancient pyramids that are all over the planet, used to be like these channeling grounds and that what had happened was the earth moved out of this golden era where it was covered in this delicious like energy where everyone was basically having orgasms all day long and like tripping on ecstasy. And somehow the earth moved again, like as it does, I guess, in the solar system. I know nothing about this or, or the science behind it, because again, it's kind of science fiction, but it moved. And then um, they didn't have much of this energy. So people were like freaking out and they wanted more of this energy. Because of course you would, if you were like tripping on MDMA all the time, you'd want to like go back to that place. So they built these pyramids to conduct what was left of this like energy. And now apparently this energy is 100% gone. It's literally just gone. And so the only way that one can have a spiritual experience or have any kind of bliss in their lives that isn't derived from like buying shit or like fucking something or, you know, owning something for a few seconds before you get bored with it, like a baby with a toy. But um, the only way to do that is by like working your ass off on the spiritual plane, right? So this book is all about okay, this is how you do it. You work your ass off on the spiritual plane. But at the same time, you also, and in fourth way work, you have to do two things simultaneously. You have to actually 
I know it sucks, but like pursue your visions and become the greatest version of yourself and like ask yourself the big question of what it is you came here to do. And I mean, that shit's exhausting, you know, and most people want to do one or the other. Like they either want to do the spiritual work. So they basically want to be like on some breatharian quest in like Guatemala or whatever, or they want to be like Mr. Badass, like business person and making buco dollars. But there's very few people who are like, I'm interested in both of these things. I'm willing to go the full length with both of them. And this is why, right? And this book is all about that. It's all about the cross section of like, what does it look like to want to succeed in the world, to actually succeed in the world, but at the same time, have your bliss, you know, quota met and drink that delicious juice, which we've been so um, deprived of on this planet. Again, this is all very much theory. I love it. I love the woo stuff. I love diving into it. It's so, I mean, these conversations are so needed just to look around and, and even decide what is woo woo for you. Like, cause that to me, I can digest that. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm down for those principles. That sounds wonderful. Specifically when you said both though, because I do think that's like the sweet medium, the people who are thriving in their business and waking up early to meditate and, you know, meal prep, something healing and grounding and taking time off of work to connect to the divine. Like everything you're saying is so needed. Of all the laws that you've written about, there's one, many of them, many of them deeply resonate, but I always love when you're in a situation and you see another person or another woman and you're intimidated by them and your like gut reaction is to like push them away or, you know, just ignore them completely or shut them out or even talk poorly about them behind, you know, behind their back because you're threatened. Make that person your best friend, hire them bring them into your world. I love that. And I love what you wrote about that. Oh, thanks. The law of equals, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's a real, it's a real gift to be able to see envy as a compass of desire for one's own vision. Cause it's, it's hard. The brain doesn't understand other people's abundance. It sees other people's abundance and automatically reads that as, um, scarcity, right? It just sees it there. And location wise, it can't understand how it could also be here. It just sees it there. And it keeps going. It's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. And then, so then the the rest of your mind is going, well, then it must mean that it's not here. That must mean it's not here. That must mean it's not here. And there's this feeling of like lack or emptiness or, um, you know, insecurity that befalls us after that right because we feel like fuck well if it's over there then i may as well just give up because if it's over there and she's gonna do it then why should i bother trying um and it can be really painful and it's usually where we have the biggest lies right so i find that in my career like i've never had yeah i've never had any doubts about the fact that i'm a spiritual teacher like once that download came it came in a meditation it was very crystal clear. And when I heard it, I believed it. Not only did I believe it, but I remembered it. Like I was like, oh yeah, I, re- I remember that. And ever since then, my career has been like very, very crisp and like took off like a wildfire. I've been very successful. And, but I do have doubts around music, which has been very painful for me, even up till now, even though like slowly I, I chip away at that belief. But the belief around music for me, and I make really fucking good music, is that like, A, no one will ever hear it. B, 
who gives a shit about you and like blah, blah. Like I have a lot of ideas around it. And so those ideas manifest around me, right? Because we manifest whatever we believe. So I just watch those ideas manifest. Like I was at an event the other week where there was like some kind of a, what do you call it? When people like improvise, like they were improvising music with these beautiful instruments. And I'm really good at improv because I studied jazz my whole life. And I'm a really good singer. Like, like when people hear me sing, they're like, they're, you know, that little Mentos tilt when you like from the Mentos commercial where the person's like, what? You know, that's kind of what people do when they hear me sing. In fact, when I was in high school, everyone in my high school, my high school was only 80 students. It was like this super small school. But everyone in my school found out that I was having a performance at CBGB's, which I was. And I was like 16. It was like one of my first performances and blah. And the whole school kind of hated me because I was like, I guess I was a little bit of a bitch or maybe they just didn't. I don't know. They didn't like me. Right. So they gathered and created this group of like 30 of them just to come to my show, just to laugh at me because they were like, ha ha, she's going to suck. We're going to catch her in the act of sucking at CBGB's. And like they came to the CBGB show just to like kind of, you know, show me up and be like, she sucks. And they were all sitting there like with their mouths dropped open, like crying. Like they were like, wait, wait, what? And that was like the day, you know, in high school when everything turned and they were like, we love you. And like, oh my God, you're so beautiful and talented and we didn't get you. And anyway, the point is, is that like I sing really well, right? That's the point of that story. But I have this idea that like, I just do not get to win in that category. And so I find that envy for me usually comes in those categories, right? Like if I see Deepak Chopra, I'm like, who gives a shit? Because duh, like everyone knows, like I have what he has. It's no big deal. But when I see someone like super irrelevant, like some fucking singing pop star, like, you know, the chick who sings in, I don't even know the name of that band. Like the point is, is like just some random like pop indie singer. I'll be like, oh God, ah," you know, and like this, hatred like falls through my veins and I'm like it'll never happen for me so it's just interesting to watch how we have it because of a belief that we hold it has nothing to do with reality it just has everything to do with what we believe and so you can watch your own beliefs like that so if you see someone that you have envy envy of whether it be because they have more money than you or they're skinnier than you or they're more successful than you or whatever it is that they bring out right it's just evidence that you have a belief that you don't get to have that thing. Because if you didn't have that belief, it wouldn't hurt so much to see it. Who gives a shit that they have like a bunch of money? If you believe that you could have money too, then great. You have money, they have money, like no big, right? So is the belief just understanding, like to rewrite that process, it's to believe that you can also have that? I mean, I think the first step is just seeing that you have the belief right? So admitting that you have it, like admitting in this case, I'm admitting it on a podcast to however many people are listening. Like I just, I got to a point in my life where, because all of these things used to be secrets to me. Like it was a big secret. And I'd be here talking to you being like, I don't have those kinds of problems. It's like, fuck that shit. Like I have certain problems. They're gifted to me by what I call God. I'm not religious. They're gifted to me by that divine space. And then because I'm human, but I'm also someone who interacts with the stars, I get to shift those stories. You know, sometimes it happens overnight because I said so. Sometimes it takes years. It just depends on which belief I'm, you know, trying to 
meddle with, right? But no belief needs to be squashed or destroyed. Beliefs just need to be turned around because it's energy, right? It's just energy. It's energy they're working against you or it's energy you get to harvest and use towards whatever it is you're creating. Like my book, my record, my global experiences, my relationship with my husband, my baby, all the things that I have in my life are all as a result of beliefs I used to have 10, 20 years ago that were wrong. I woke up one day and was like, no, no fucking way. Like, I'm not going to date assholes and like, you know, be poor and be a drug addict and be like, I decided to do something with those beliefs, but they all started as erroneous beliefs. That is so powerful. Absolutely. And I love, I know you speak about your husband and of course your, your gorgeous baby on social media. How did you attract your partner into your life? And especially now being a mom, how does that feel? I mean, it's crazy. Being a mom is crazy for anyone who's listening. And as a mom, I mean, it's like this very strange mixture of feelings. I may, everyone's different, but for me, it's like, you love this thing so much. You love this baby. You're like, I can't even believe you're real. I can't believe you were in my stomach seven months ago. We used to be one person. You started out as a spine and then they're so cute and they smell so good. It's so cool. It's so magic. And then also she gets to be this insane human. Like I can see her growing up and being this beautiful woman. So I'm so excited for her. Um, but I think it's also, um, it's very exhausting. Like you're half asleep, you know, you're, we, me and my husband take turns watching her at night, but she wakes up. It's like, and she thinks it's like party time. She's a really like happy, chill baby. So it's not like I've heard some horror stories where babies are like, ah, like she's not crying. She just wakes up and is like, and she wants to like crawl and she wants to do fun things, you know, cause it's baby party time. Yeah. It's a blend. I attracted it all by by saying that's what I remembered that I had a contract with a soul in terms of babies. I, I didn't I wasn't one of those women who was like, I got to have a baby like I wasn't one of those women. I could have just as easily not done it. I just felt at some point it was revealed to me in meditation that I do, in fact, have a contract with the soul. And once that was revealed to me, I was like, all right, fine, I'll fucking do it. But then also. Um, I was talking to my friend, Peter, who's like one of the loves of my life. He's one of my, you know, like we have these people who are our equals and they bring out the best in us. He's one of mine. And I was like, I don't want a fucking kid and blah, blah. And he was like, but you could order up an enlightened kid, he says to me. And I was like, oh, like you could order an enlightened kid. And he was like, yeah, you could just order up an enlightened one. And I was like, oh, okay. Like. Fuck it. Like, it, I, I think when it dawned on me that there was a menu of babies and that I could choose which kind I was selecting, I was like, fine, I'll do it then. And that's this. I got pregnant right after that. I, as soon as I saw that I was able to dial in enlightened baby, I did it. And so it is. She is an enlightened baby. Amen. That is incredible of, of the delicious menu of babies. Right? <laughs> the baby menu. I went on, like, the amazon.com of baby ordering i'll take enlightened baby for 500 local organic thank you yeah so no gmos <laughs> and is your husband is is your partner similar to this world is he spiritual and you connect in this verbiage 
yeah, he does the same work I do. And so we work together, we've done talks together and he guides people. He's worked on a corporate level and he has private students as well, but also he's a screenwriter and, and he helped write the book as well. So like, I just, he's an incredible artist and writer and he's, yeah, he's all the things. And you spent so much of your career. I mean, I know um, we met years ago in Oswego, Illinois, at this like super random like festival where we were we were both teaching meditation. I remember it was just such a we had such a nice conversation walking through the fields in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Oh yay! I remember that. It was so cool. It was there's horses and shit. Yeah, yeah. There were so, it was such a it was an eclectic group of people. That was a, a wild time. But at that time. You were single. No, I wasn't. You were with him? Yeah, we've been together for nine years. Amazing. Yeah. And how did you attract him into your life? Um, We had met, we were friends for like a year. Uh, that was 10 years ago. I met him like when I first got sober. So I was just kind of like brought to that place. And I was still kind of dating that the wrong guy. I don't know if you know that guy like when we find that one kind of person we find him everywhere we manifest like the same boyfriend over and over and over again and mine was like this like emaciated intellectual like just whatever like uh, not disinterested but like super aloof i would say just very aloof uh boyfriend and i would like date him over and over i'd like find him on I'd find him in New York, then I'd find another version in San Francisco, like the whole thing. And so I dated that guy over and over again. And finally I had this kind of breakthrough. I did a bunch of spiritual work on myself and I saw that I um, had a trend, you know, and I, I needed to let that go. And so as soon as I really let it go, and I think I told this one final boyfriend who I'd been off and on with for like nine years to go fuck himself. As soon as I really told him to go fuck himself, and I said it in the nicest way, I was just like, let's just never speak again. And he was like, what? Um, it, everything started, you know, and I met Kristoff and we fell in love and we've been together ever since. So if anyone who is listening feels like they are attracting the same job or the same boyfriend or the same anything that is definitely not connected to their highest self. The first step is recognizing. The second step is saying, go fuck yourself. And then moving on. Well, it's also remembering, for me, it was remembering who I was and what I, so I saw this visual, like sort of like a metaphor of like a bunch of people at God's table, like, you know, God, when he's depicted in like the Renaissance paintings. So it was like this gorgeous golden table covered in like bread and pears and cheese and wine and all these things. And it was God and it was like all the fancy people that hang out with God, like Jesus and Buddha and whatever. And I just could see that my relationship with men was one where I was like receiving crumbs at the side of the table. Like I didn't get to sit at the table. I didn't get to like eat with God. I had to like stand by and just get the crumbs of what was left over. Do you know what I mean? And I think I just dawned on me that I was very valuable and that I deserved to be with someone who worshipped me and like really thought that I was everything and and saw me the same way that my father saw me, which, you know, he my father worshipped me and like loved me so much. And I, I thought it was really strange, too, because usually people who had issues with men like had daddy problems. I didn't have daddy problems. I just had like this weird 
I think I just didn't want a boyfriend, honestly. I think I wanted to be single and I liked the pain of the heartbreak because I didn't know where else to find access to my soul. And so I kept creating that pain. But anyway, the point is, I it dawned on me how valuable I was. And I did some work to realize that I was never going to find a man until I actually felt inside myself that I already had everything I was looking for. As long as I was still looking for it outside of me and I was like, oh, if only he'll love me and whoever the fuck he is, I just was never going to find a man because a real man only wants a woman who needs nothing from him. Nothing. Right. And so when I met my husband, I remember him being like, oh, I really like love and respect you. And I just don't know if we should like fuck that up because we're like such good friends. And I was like, cool. In my mind, I was like, I don't give a fuck if you want to date me. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm such a catch. Like, go, you know, if you want to date me, great. If not, someone who's, you know, worthy of this is going to come get it. But I'm just so amazing. Like, you're good, you know? And of course, he took to that energy. He was like, oh, shit. Like, I've never met anybody like this, you know? So he asked me out. We've been together ever since. But it was like this feeling of completeness I had before he even said, let's be together. I was like, I'm good. I'm so fucking fun and sexy and hot and brilliant. Like you'd be so lucky to hang out with me. <laughs> That's it. That's incredible. And you know, what are the steps to get there? Because of course we can say that we can put an alarm in our phone that says I'm so awesome. That goes off every 15 minutes, but what are the rituals <laughs> or practices that really have you self-realize that you are fucking awesome? Hmm. Um, I think it's realizing that you want what it is you they have. So like if you uh, you make a list of things you're looking for in a boyfriend, let's say if this is a woman, in my case, I'm a woman who is generally straight, albeit not completely, but whatever. Like, I don't know who, if anyone's 100% straight, but so um, you want, let's say a boyfriend or a husband, like you write down a list of your ideal. Like what is what is he? He's kind. He's generous. He's. Um, he has friends that love him and like, so, you know, whatever, whatever. And he's successful and has uh, a drive to a hunger towards success and financial gains in life. I don't know what, whatever it is you're looking for, you know? And then when you look at that list, um, it should be a list of things you're looking to become. If you, if it was genuinely a list about someone else. You just flip it and you, you look and you're like, oh, I actually just want to be successful and have great friends and be really kind and blah, blah. And if you, then you just turn it around about being those things. And then I think it's also about, I think this is a law of attraction principle, but you should feel like you already have a boyfriend before you have one. You should feel like you're already famous before you are famous. You should feel like you're rich before you're rich. You can't, no one in the history of time has become rich or famous or gotten a boyfriend and then started feeling that way afterwards. Maybe they got those things, but then they never started feeling that way. You either feel it before it happens and then bring it into being via your uh, belief and feeling around it, or you get it randomly and then you're probably going to either destroy it or not even have access to the feeling of it once you get it. Sitting in the feeling as if you already have it. Absolutely. 
it's so important. And we're so addicted to the suffering. We're so addicted to the drama. We learned it from our lineage. I feel like our DNA is just on fire. It's all on our epigenetics, but you're so right. And I think it really is women going out into the world and like, don't be attracted to the drama. Don't date the asshole, like recognize that you can shift. And obviously the first step is, you know, recognizing you can do better and you do deserve better. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And these, I think the laws in the book really help too. You just have to look at how these laws are working against you, how they're keeping you from your highest self. And for you, what are your daily rituals? So like any given day, I know you have a new baby, but when you can, what does daily devotion look like? Yeah. It doesn't matter that I have a baby. I still have a practice. It's just different. I used to like wake up and fucking meditate. That is certainly not happening anymore. Like on days when it was my night to watch the baby, I wake up and I'm like a crackhead basically for the rest of the day, like a literally on crack. And then on days when it wasn't my night and I got to sleep, the, those days I just like wake up and I'm like just recovering from the day before, but I'm like happy. You know what I mean? Anyway, the point is that's not happening. But, um, I have a very intense breathwork practice that I teach at my experiences. I do all through the day. I use prayer. Also, I'm a very prayer oriented person. I'm again, not religious. I'm not Christian or I'm Jewish by um, nationality, but not by religion either. So to me, it's like um, prayer is the most important component. I ask the universe or God or whatever it is to, to work with me. I also speak to my ancestors, specifically my mom. I feel like she's really helping me. So I often ask her to be with me or speak through me. Uh, and I think she has some things to say. I feel like whenever I ask her to speak, the things I say are come out with much more crystal clarity than the, the, the latter. So a lot of prayer. Um, and then sitting practices, like whenever I get a minute, I'll just sit silently and take time to go into a silent space. And then I make life really beautiful, right? So like I divide my attention. I play beautiful music all through the day. I dance. I move my body and get into my body. Sometimes if I'm angry or anxious or fearful, I'll stomp my feet just to get grounded into the earth and to remember that my body is a channel through which energy is trying to move because if you're angry or anxious there's a strong chance that you're not um the, the conduit is stuck right so it's like the energy's not being able to flush through so sometimes i'll stomp i do yoga i work out you know i study things that are new to me like vulnerability and new levels of sexual practices and all kinds of things that frighten me i i pursue and that's such a good rule of thumb. If it scares me, it probably means I need to look into it a little bit more. Right? <laughs> Definitely. That's beautiful. And I just find it so interesting how, I mean, we do this a lot in the spiritual world. We'll say, you know, I study A Course of Miracles, which is, you know, Christianic terminology. And I was oh, yeah. born Jewish, but I study, you know, Islam and Sufi poetry and Hinduism. Mm. But do you think... Um, and, and I'm also Jewish and, you know, lived in Israel for quite some time, but what is all of it? Like I, people ask me this all the time. Like you come into this world, you're definitely born a specific way. And then obviously you get to choose your brand of spirituality or you get to choose how you share it with the world. But do you feel like you are obligated to make that distinction? 
like you're obligated to make a distinction of what it is you believe? Like you have to press preface by saying I was born this way, but I like, I'm not spiritual oh. or I'm not religious. I have to preface that because I'm a spiritual teacher and I'm known as that. And so I want to make sure that I'm giving a clear message, which is that I am not peddling Jesus, you know, and I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I think I love Jesus more than some people who love Jesus, love Jesus. You know what I mean? Like I love Jesus. He's, I think one of my favorite spiritual teachers and I study the esoteric meanings behind biblical texts. I love all that stuff. For me, what is the issue with religion is, is it's like a brand. You know what I mean? It would be like if Nike and Reebok were religions today and people who believed in Reebok were like killing people who believed in Nike. Or like if you saw someone in the street wearing Reebok, but you were wearing Nike, you thought to yourself, oh, we'll never understand each other. We should never get married. Like crazy things. And people make all kinds of ideas in their minds. Um, the truth is, is that Religion, the, the true meaning behind the love of God, the, the feeling of the love of the unknowable, is that it can never be a mental. It can never be a mental construct. And so, as soon as you label it, as soon as you say, "I am this," and I believe that, then what you're saying is, "Is I have no flexibility for anything else, and I know something." But the Tao says we know nothing. We're always humble. You know, and I'm a great believer in the Tao too, you know, but it's just like, I just feel like the person who wrote the Tao, which supposedly is some guy named Lao Tzu, but who knows, right? Like whether Jesus was one guy or if Lao Tzu was one guy or if it was like a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls, who knows? Because it's so fucking long ago. But like, even the thing about that is I don't think Lao Tzu was like, this is how it is. Everyone needs to conform. Please wear a little necklace with my figurine on it. Like, that's not what he was saying. Clearly, if you read the fucking text, that's not what he was saying. So I just think we're living in an era where things are starting to be perceived differently. And people who walk the earth with a real message are no longer, hopefully, going to be dangling off of people's necklaces. And there's something else going on, right? So um, I have a friend, Johnny Podell, who says that uh, consciousness is the new rock and roll. That's his, that's his sentence. But I think, yeah, it's like, I don't believe in the Beatles, but I fucking love the Beatles too. You know, I love the Beatles. A devotee to the Beatles. Amazing. Yeah. It's a marriage between all of them. And I think we get stuck with these words and categories and how we identify and but you're right. There's something happening in the air around us. Yeah. I mean, evolution. I think it's just, you get people doing yoga from 1960 to now. That's what is that? 46, 60 years, 60 years of yoga. Like we'll fuck, we'll fuck people's brains a little, right? Like it changes things. It just does. You know, you can't, People think because some people are white girls getting into like Lululemon and doing downward dog, what could it mean? But it does. It, fuck, it fucks the brain. Like you can't go back. Once you've seen what you've seen, you can't unsee it. And so yoga is like a portal and people are done. They're like, okay, give me more like yoga, you know, give me what else? What else you got up in here? What, what you got altered states? You got meditation? You got mindfulness i'll take it like give me give me more 
I even got an email recently through my website and, and someone reached out and they're, they said, I just want to get high again. Like I've tasted it. I've been deep in meditation. Mm. I've had that ecstasy. Can you help me get back to that, that high state? And yeah. it was a very, I actually have that, that phone call later today. I mean, it's a very interesting ask and I rather people ask it though, like show up for yeah. that high level of heaven. Mm. Why not? Yeah. So if you had all the ears of the women in this world, what wisdom would you share with them? All the ears. Wow. That's a I lot mean, of ears. Yeah, I think, you know, the truth is, is that wisdom isn't something that can be called upon in that way. I would say... Wisdom is a, a, lie, a living, breathing organism that makes its way through you without your demand. Like, it doesn't matter how much you demand it, right? So I could say, to, I can't answer that question because if I answered it, I'd be lying. You can't answer the call on demand because the universe speaks when it feels like speaking. I'm a person, so I have flaws and I have fears and I've got all the things that people have. But the beautiful thing about me is that I do the right work and I disappear. And when I disappear, things get said through me. And those things that get said through me upon my true disappearance are the wisest things that can be said. And there's only a few things to be said. So it's either being said through you or it's not being said through you. If you sat in a room with 10 people, some people have the power to have things being said through them. Some people don't. And you can always tell. And then if you got into a deep, deep state of presence and you just let people speak like, um, you know, who does this? The Quakers do this. This is how they do church. They sit in a room like a white walls, candles, and no one speaks unless they are moved to speak. But they believe in the Quaker religion that God moves through us. And so God isn't in one person. There's no priest. It's like whoever it moves through in that moment is who it moves through. So I guess what I would say if I had all the ears of all the wise women in the world is hopefully I would say nothing. Like hopefully I would shut the fuck up so that it could speak through me. Um, and for anyone who's listening, like if you're looking to have a life beyond your wildest dreams, you should not be looking to create it. You should be looking to behold it. It's already happening. And if you just shut the fuck up and stop being such an asshole, your life will unfold in front of you in such an explosive and surprising way. You won't even know what to do with yourself. It's so beautiful and so breathtaking. And you can always tell if you're frustrated or afraid or angry or stressed that the only person who just made their appearance is you. You have returned. It's like, oh, I'm back. And you'll always come back. You'll always fucking come back because that's how we're made, right? We are living in a basement apartment with, with no windows and we're on a downward escalator. As soon as you do some more work and you make that beautiful lunch for yourself, like you said, and you meditate and you pray and you go read my book and you do whatever the fuck you need to do to get back to the divine today, you'll see it'll go up hurt, upwards again, right? Because the effort changes everything. But otherwise, you know, you're fucked. 
<laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that was just explosive and so important. Um, Biat, you're amazing. It's so fun to reconnect and have this conversation. For everyone who's listening, feel free to check out Don't Just Sit There. I will put it in the footnotes. Please comment, subscribe, share with your girlfriends, share with your boyfriends, share with everyone. Let us know what you think. To remain in good standing, we do need those likes and comments and high ratings. So please let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you. Thank you.